When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to another edition of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. Uh, I'm Will, he's Jamie, and I think you know what we're going to talk about the most here today. Um, obviously, the Memorial Cup, we're halfway through, uh, actually over uh, halfway through, really. Uh, we're towards the tail end of uh, round robin play. We're going to talk about the Rampart as well. Um, we're going to talk about schedules. We're going to talk about rumors. We're going to talk about pretty much everything that's going around the queue. And, you know, for this time of year, you'd think the Memorial Cup would be front and center. And it, it is, but there's a lot more going around on in the background, Jamie, uh, that uh, we'll, we'll need to get to. Um, before we go any further, um, we did a little show and tell with Jamie here uh, a few weeks ago with his, uh, yes. was it your, your Team Canada puck? With glass puck, glass puck, glass puck with a uh, very legitimate, very legitimate Halifax water from the uh, Scotiabank Center race. I recognize the discoloration <laughs> of that water, Jamie. I have reason to believe it was certainly from Scotiabank Center. Uh, you, you know, you would know. You see it a lot more than me. So. See it absolutely, absolutely. Stood on it here just a couple of yep. weeks ago uh, as the Rampart won the uh, the uh, the inaugural Gilles Courtois Trophy uh, in. Uh, Halifax, but uh, here's my own show and tell. It is, and by the way, I don't think you're going to get this in uh, in print necessarily now. But if you find it, if it's on Amazon or something, and you enjoy junior hockey history, this baby is called the Memorial Cup. Obviously, yeah. um, Richard Lapp and Alan McCauley, Paul Henderson wrote a forward uh, to it. Um, I don't think they've ever re- reprinted it or updated it. Uh, this goes up to 1997. But there's a lot of history here that you're not even going to necessarily get online. Yeah, uh, I've yeah I've used it as the basis for a couple of articles for the hockey news on uh, previous Memorial Cups. But uh, it just goes to show the uh, the rich tradition that uh, this tournament uh, holds, Jamie. Yep, for sure. Um, and like we mentioned before, uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting trying to find um, stuff pre '90s for some of the leagues online. We're we're really lucky here in the queue. That um, they they have all of all of the stuff that we need that follow the queue online, but uh, for some of the other leagues, that's not the case. And so, uh, yeah, it's cool to cool to have a book like that. I'm a little, a little jealous, honestly. Absolutely. Well, that's all right. Uh, I'm jealous of your uh, your uh, Scotiabank Center water and see if I can get it done <laughs> here because I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm talent. I'm not camera operator, so that's your 1971 Quebec Rampart. Memorial Cup champions under very dramatic circumstances, um, featuring, of course, uh, the uh, late great Guy Lafleur, um, and uh, Quebec trying to repeat that. Of course, the new incarnation of the uh, Rampart—they'll uh, be going for uh, Memorial Cup number two in that franchise's history on Sunday because they've already clinched a berth to the final, Jamie. And uh, <laughs> game one they did it in convincing fashion, and game two. They just kind of proved that 
maybe this team is a little more capable than we all thought, or at least we thought, yeah. because we suck at predictions, of playing it any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we definitely suck at predictions. And, uh, yes. uh, yeah, game one, um, you know, that first period was kind of just, you know, okay, um, Quebec getting a little bit of penalty trouble. Uh, which we typically don't see from, like we mentioned a number of times, Patrick Watt teams typically don't take a lot of penalties, so a little uncharacteristic. Uh, but to get out, of that, that, get out of that first period, Ty just won one. Um, but then, like I mentioned it on Twitter, like in the second period, they turned it on like we've seen the Mooseheads do. Um, taking a 5-2 lead after two periods, um, 17 shots in that second period. Um, really, really impressive performance against a, a rested and presumably ready Kamloops team um and you know like we've seen time and time again you just never quite know what to expect from these host teams when they've had such a long layoff um we've seen teams like st john windsor have a lot of success uh but we've certainly seen a lot of teams struggle with that too and it it certainly seems like uh the blazers struggle with that out of the gate but huge confidence builder for the ramparts even though i'm sure they know that they're capable um you know to come in and do that against a very good blazers team um surely added to that confidence um and yet another road win i believe that was a true road game too i think they were the actual road team but um the next game i think against seattle they were technically the home team um but extremely extremely impressive win over an absolutely loaded uh thunderbirds team uh open the scoring just 54 seconds into that second game uh really tight really defensive game that's the type of game that you kind of knew that the remparts would would thrive in um in the playoffs in the queue uh, that we've seen them do so it's such a good defensive team um even though they're outshot 36 22 in that game it, it didn't feel like seattle had very many like real good scoring chances no um no. and then even when they did russo was there to make some some decent saves but quebec just completely shut them down they really they really brought <laughs> they, they brought defense into the tournament because up until that point there was really no defense being played anyway <laughs> uh, but super 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 impressive and and very well deserving of uh, of securing a spot in in the final, yeah, definitely. And you know, I found you know if you want to uh, sorry talk about the storyline, maybe for those two games for my money, um, I found the Quebec Rampars, and you just said it, uh, Jamie. They played a very Halifax Mooseheads type game yeah. in game one, where they relied on their goaltender, their goaltender named Russo, ironically, to hold the fort. Uh, as long as they need, as long as they needed him to do so before you know popping off. Uh, of course, Kelowna or uh, Kamloops, I should say, did rebound in a strong fashion with a blowout win over the Peets uh, in their second game. But um, game two, um, totally agree. Shots were not indicative of uh, the quality uh, or the caliber of play of the two teams. It was not that one-sided, and you even heard Patrick Watt say in his post-game comments. You know, William Russo came through with key saves. You're always going to have at least a couple of key saves in a game that was one nothing for as long as that was. I mean, uh, Quebec did not uh, score their second goal of the game in a 3-1 win until uh, about five minutes left in the third period. But uh, the defense and really total team defense, you saw a lot of shot blocks. So a lot of lanes being closed off and and rushes denied no not really any odd man opportunities for seattle which is something that you would think such a skilled team would be able to execute on just the ramparts we're not giving them that sort of freedom to to move around um so very impressive that for me uh i think even if they do win the whole thing jamie on sunday in terms of execution it may actually even if they win it on sunday 
that game against Seattle might still go down as their best game of the season. That's yeah, totally. How efficient totally. they were. Yeah. Totally. And I, so I thought it was kind of ironic too, because we always talk about how um, the WHL is this big dominant physical force compared to the Q and the Q's the, the softer team. And then the game winning goal ends up being re- the result of Quebec um, putting a big hit at the blue line that results in a turnover. <laughs> and then uh, they go in and score. So certainly <laughs> kind of ironic yeah. to see the Remparts doing that against the, the big bad WHL. Yeah, and we saw that too in the final against Halifax, where they were, you know, they they initiated contact quite a bit, and you know, we we found out after that uh, series the extent of the injuries uh, that the Moose had uh, sustained. We'll talk uh, perhaps a little bit more about that as the show goes on, um, but yeah, they they have that in their back pocket. They just don't use it a whole lot because yeah. it doesn't always come into play. And uh, they certainly uh, made the most of it against uh, Seattle. Of course, they lost their uh, last round robin game last night. We're taping on a Wednesday night um, because we wanted to get all of the uh, Quebec round robin games uh, completed before we brought the podcast to you, our listeners. Uh, but they lost 4-2 to the Peets. Doesn't change, obviously, the Rampart status. They're going to be in the final no matter what. But the Peets, that was a big game. That, put, that means that for the first time in uh, eight years... Uh, we are going to have a tiebreak game at the Memorial Cup between the Peets and whoever loses tonight's round robin finale between the Blazers and the Thunderbirds. Yeah, and I, I didn't really put much stock into that Quebec loss. You know, it was just kind of yeah. just kind of whatever. And like, obviously, Quebec literally had really nothing to play for, and Pubero had everything to play for. Um, so, not not a really surprising result. No, definitely not. And I mean. You know, you, you don't necessarily go into a game like that thinking this, but, you know, if you're going to look for an added benefit, you know, whoever's playing in that tiebreak game, that could very totally. well be the team that it, that ends up playing you on Sunday, yep. and they'll have had to play two games back-to-back yep. uh, back and then inevitably three and four nights or, or more, depending. Um, so uh, uh, kind of an unintentional strategy, we'll put that put it uh, up to that um so uh, as we mentioned the rampire we already know they're going to be in the final they're going to attempt to become the first team amongst any of the canadian hockey league uh, entities to win four memorial cups in a row as a league the q of course they won in 2018 with uh, bathurst they won in 2019 with Miranda. we had a two-year hiatus due to covid and of course the uh, sea dogs uh, won it all last June in St. John. So four in a row. And, you know, I remember, you know, I'll go put my onion on my belt in the tree stump and tell you about the lemon tree now. <laughs> when I first started following this league, it almost seemed like an improbability that the Q was going, that Q would win a Memorial Cup. First year I really followed Granby one back in 1996. It was such a big deal. It was the first time a Quebec-based team had won in a quarter century. The first time the Q had won in general in 15 years or thereabouts. And it almost felt like, you know, we're, the Q almost had to hype it up because they didn't know when the next one was going to come. And now the script has been flipped so much, J.B., that it, I think, honestly, the next time the Q does not make it to the final, I think think it might actually be a bit of a surprise by those of us who follow this league closely yeah yeah super impressive run by these uh these q teams and um you know definitely some of it's a little bit of a luck there's no doubt uh the memorial cup is you know you have to have some luck to win it along the way but you know for the league to be 
so dominant um, over the past few years. Like it's really something. Um, and they're clearly doing something right to win at this tournament. And then you look at the WHL, they're clearly doing something wrong to win at this tournament. Cause the, <laughs> it's like the, the, the opposites is just crazy. How, how, how different it's been, um, mm-hmm. over the past decade or so it's, it's, it's wild to see. Um, but certainly impressive. Like I just from, you know, a, an overall perspective, it's gotta be good for, you know, player recruitment, um, stuff like that, be able to sell, you know, we're to sell the draft picks in a few weeks to say, um, you know, we're building for a contending team in a few years. Look at how good this, the Q's done at this tournament in recent years. You've got a real good shot at winning a national championship if you come to the Q. So um, really great for the league to see. Um, and I, I, it's definitely time that you kind of lose like that. I think everyone kind of has that in the back of their head still that the Q is kind of the weak team here. And it's, it's certainly not the case anymore. No, no, not at all. I mean, and you can pick your reasons for why that may be, you know, how things operate in the WHL. You, know, you look at Seattle, teams don't build, they don't, they don't uh, sell the farm, so to speak, um, as often in the dub, or so it seems. Like the, the Oil Kings did to an extent last year. Uh, Seattle definitely did it this year. But that seems to be more of a Q or an OHL thing. Yeah. Um and I think really the biggest reason why we've seen sustained success, success and even the success even before this latest run, you know, quite frankly, the Q covers a larger territory than it did back mm-hmm. during the drought years yep, when true. it was strictly Quebec and uh, Atlantic Canadians could go anywhere they wished. They could play in the O, they could play in the dub. Most of them played in the O. Um, having that territorial um, right uh, sent their way or having that territorial advantage has definitely made a big difference and you see these atlantic born players uh playing a, a big factor right year after year it doesn't matter if the team is you know whether you're the quebec rampire with uh, evan noss or if you're amongst others or if, or if you are a halifax mooses with a mckinnon and uh, and uh guys like that it's uh, the landscape is, has certainly changed and uh, i think people have to realize that this is probably going to be the the norm this is the norm yeah. It's yep. been happening too often for too long. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see how the OHL does for the next few years too, because we're starting to see kind of the, the progression of their, their rule of not allowing first round picks to be traded. I'm, I'm just curious mm-hmm. to see how that, that affects teams uh, unloading up over the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. Will we, will we continue to see second rounders in 2029 exchanged yeah. and things like that? It's yeah, it definitely ties kind of ties a hand behind your back depending mm-hmm. on who you are and there's some teams that just can't afford to move that many higher end picks uh versus others so be curious to see how that and it's always a constant evolution we see it in all three leagues and it'll be interesting to see um you know what the next evolution brings but for now you know the queue is definitely enjoying their moment in the sun um let's talk a little bit about the moose heads here very quickly so um uh willie pavlov uh local beat reporter here in Halifax uh, put out uh, last week uh, a, a list of the more severe injuries that the Mooseheads had suffered. And, you know, we, we knew that, you know, Atilio Biasca, David Morovich, they weren't available for that final game. Well, Atilio Biasca had a broken collarbone. Uh, David Morovich had an elbow, elbow injury in game two of the Quebec series. Came out in the first shift of game three, took a hit uh, by POY, I believe. Suffered a concussion, was out for the series. And Zach LaRue, who came that close, Jamie, 
to scoring the the goal that could have sent that series to a game seven did it with the case of whiplash and you know everybody's bumped and bruised and everything you know we we talk about it every week at this time of the season but that is i i don't know, you know the list is bad but the fact that they were you know trying to find a way to get Attilio Biascans on the lineup <laughs> is probably the more mind-boggling part of this yeah. whole thing yeah 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 it's pretty crazy and like I can tell you right now Will I love doing the show with you but if I had any of these injuries I wouldn't be joining you I would I would probably still be in bed right I now. would like to think okay okay well let's go <laughs> bit by bit here okay, okay. broken collarbone Okay, I mean, but if you're in a cast, no, no, that's I'm a not, really good I'm story. That's I'm show and tell. <laughs> that's, elbow yeah, injury, elbow that injury. Terrible. You better... That was absolutely terrible, honestly. It does. That's a, it is. Well, it just you know how it feels if you just hit your. Yeah, elbow. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like breaking it. It's yeah, that's just that. Yeah, they just kind of gives you the chills. Uh, by the way, elbow injury. I expect you here. Uh, concussion, yes, I will give you. Uh, I'll give you that one, obviously, and we're not gonna make light of head trauma. Uh, whiplash, though, you know what? You showing up in a neck brace again, ratings, true, that's true. Yeah, it's true. So, Jordan and Jordan Dume, um, Jordan played, Dume. came back early from a separated shoulder, according to Willie. Yeah. Um, yep. definitely wasn't quite his, quite his himself in that final, you could tell. Uh, but I mean, like overall, like for the Remparts to not only make the final or for the Mooseheads to not only make the final and push the Remparts the way they did, given the injuries, like it, it, it's really, really impressive. And I think it shows again, how we underrated the Mooseheads, how we are underrated, uh, the Mooseheads depth, um, for them, for those guys to come in and out of the lineup. And even when they were in the lineup to not be at hundred percent, um, and for Halifax to continue to push Quebec the way they did just, Really, really impressive uh, by their depth players to to really step up, um, and certainly bodes well for them. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it feels like they maybe missed an opportunity to win a championship because of those injuries, but at the same time, it bodes well for them um, heading into next season. Definitely, and some of those depth players that uh, we saw take on more prominent roles; those are the guys who are by default going to be in more prominent yeah. roles next year. So, certainly uh, a promising thing if you're Cam Russell and Sylvain Favreau and all the crew. Uh, here in Halifax. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Drumville Voltigeurs. Seems like forever since we talked about them. You know, they had a big uh, upset first round victory in the playoffs this year against Victoriaville. Um, they went out quickly in round two, but everybody went out quickly in round two. So, I mean, they, they're no different than, than any other team. But uh, they made news here just a few days ago. They've hired a new GM. Of course, as we recall, Philippe Boucher resigned last fall. Yannick LeMay is taking over uh, the realms, Jamie. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, a Drummondville native. Um, had some lengthy experience as a scout in the queue, but has been away from the league for a bit as a scout with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. So he'll be back in the queue, first time as a general manager. I'm um, curious to see what he does because he's, t- he's, uh, he's inheriting an interesting team because, uh, you know, it's not like they're, they're you know, in the basement with nothing but draft picks they're they've got a pretty good roster they've like we said before they've got guys uh, they've got some pretty good pieces and they've got to decide what to do with those pieces and uh, whether they continue to build or whether they decide to completely start over um, certainly looks like they're going to continue to build with this core i know reading some of the what Lemay had to say in his press conference says like he 
wants to build a championship team as quickly as possible. So certainly sounds like they're probably going to make a go with this core. Um, so curious to see what he does. And um, uh, again, like a guy who's very new to the queue, um, maybe we'll see some, some interesting or different moves that we're not really expecting. Um, have to think his scouting staff's probably going to run much of the draft for him. Um, and certainly interesting to see what they do um, at the trade period of the draft. Cause there's, there's been lots of rumors of uh, Ethan Goche from Sherbrooke heading there, um, which again, just kind of further indicates that they're, they want to, go for it uh, over the next year or two. Um, so yeah, certainly interesting to see a, a new brand new general manager to lead come in and, and see what he can do. Yeah. And that's a good point. Brand new. Uh, it's his first uh, GM position, Jamie. So a little bit of new blood uh, though, not unfamiliar. Um, but as you mentioned, the skill for many years uh, seemed to follow Pascal Vincent, our old friend from the uh, yeah. Cape Breton screaming Eagles back then. He was uh, the scout for the uh, screaming Eagles back in the day and, and uh, as well as uh, the Montreal Junior for a brief period of time, then went to Winnipeg, of course, as Pascal Vincent uh, went into the uh, Manitoba Moose system, was an assistant with the Jets. So um, definitely um, definitely a close relationship there. And, you know, you can pick a lot more for people to, you know, t- hitch your horse to, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, guy uh, very well respected. And the one thing that stuck out for me uh, after, immediately after Yannick Lemay was hired by Drummondville was, the overwhelming praise for him getting this job saying a lot of people saying, you know, very nice guy, very well-deserved, very savvy guy. So to have him in the big chair uh, and, and with this very unusual task of coming in, you don't see a lot of GMs come in, you know, mid build yeah. uh, and, and try and take over something like this. It's going to be very interesting. It's one of the more unique positions that I've seen a, uh, a person hired for in recent years. Yeah, and I mean, there's an opportunity for him to kind of come in and have immediate success if he if he plays it right, or he could. And again, it doesn't sound like he's going to do this, but I mean, he could blow it all up and have a great fresh start um, with a lot of assets. So uh, he's got some options, and it'll be uh, be interesting to see what he does. Okay, um, okay, Jamie, it's time for you to go off in a tangent. Um, <laughs> I've been. Uh, this was not part of the deal when we first uh, logged on. This is, you know what. It's your duty to wow us. And Connor's behind the scenes. He can edit this for the no doubt stream of expletives that are about to be uttered from you. Um, The QMJHL schedule was uh, released earlier today. It was one of the benefits of being on here on a Wednesday. We get to hear this nice, fresh, freshly caught right out of the ocean today. Vent session by Jamie Tozer. This is going to be monumental. Yep. I don't have a lot to add to this right now because admittedly the day got away from me. I have not looked at it very closely. I know it starts in late September. It ends in late March as it usually does. The usual breaks are in place. Uh, there's a lot of Friday and Saturday games uh, with education as a, uh, as a primary concern. But there's something that bugs you. And even I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. But we're going to find out right now. Tozer, stage is yours. So the league, the league hasn't done this in a, in a few years. Um, and I'm disappointed to see that they went back this way. Um, I don't want to see, like, the 612-game schedule. I don't know if anybody wants to see the 612-game schedule. Like, we want to see it by team. And there's no by team option. Um, and <laughs> they haven't done this in a few years. So I give them credit. The past few years have been great. Uh, but this year they went back to the PDF and uh, I don't, I don't want to comb through this and like 
pick out all these games one by one. Like I, I just, I'm, I, 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 don't wonder, this I, I was wondering what this was going to be, but I noticed <laughs> the same thing. That's part of the reason why I haven't really looked at it that close. exactly. It's like, exactly. It's a very long list of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm just going to wait for it to be, be, uh, uh, transposed into the league website where you can search it by team, which probably won't take very long. Like the no. web staff are, yeah, are pretty well on top of that thing. They do a great job. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, yeah. Like here's your, yeah, here's your PDF document. Um, you, you figure it out. It was, yeah, I, I did. I did notice that. I didn't realize that's the direction you're going to go in. Um, I'm not going to say that was underwhelmed. I, that's, at, at a minimum, <laughs> can I add to a it? Solid statement, statement of fact. Oh, fill your boots. Let me up. add to it. Let me I add to it. For, okay, part two of the Tozer rant. Go. Because I know the Teton did this, so good for them that they did this. They released it like in the blocks that like you'd see in like the pocket schedule, the magnet schedule okay. on their website and online on their socials. That's great. I uh, wish wish every team would do that as well. Makes it makes the the visualization uh, so much easier for everybody. Okay. Perfect. So for all of you who are planning a trip, I got to can't, did I get canceled? Brandon, Have I gotten canceled? Um, we'll find, find out next week if Jamie is still <laughs> co-hosting THN on the queue, brought to you by MGM. This could be the big thing. This could be a yes. big thing next week. Forget about who won the Memorial Cup. Exactly. Did Tozer get fired? That's that, that we'll find out. That could be our that could be our new weekly feature. <laughs> the more the more ammo you bring to the table that potentially puts the league or anybody else in the negative light, the more you're putting yourself out there. You know what? I love seeing it. Not because I want to see another co-host. You're great. <laughs> but yeah, it took forever to get this chemistry going, man. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love the danger. We gotta get more dangerous. Oh, we're in it. Yeah. We're in it now. Specifically, you need to get more dangerous. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you I'm good. yeah, I'm fine. People think I'm an idiot anyway. So, uh, moving on. Uh, NHL team profile time. Um, and before we talk about this, um, you know, I had my little show-and-tell moment here talking about the uh, uh, Memorial Cup book and the 71 Rampire, and, uh, which I had the honor of uh, doing a feature article for the Hawk News, my very first article for the Hawk News on the 71 Memorial Cup. I talked to Andre Savard about it. We talked to Guy Lafleur. It was fantastic. Um, plug, nice plug. You, nice one. Thank you, thank you. It was on newsstands two years ago. Check it out. Um, so, so that that's my little trip down memory lane. Uh, Jamie, you had a trip down memory lane here uh, uh, not too long ago, also involving the Memorial Cup. Yeah, it was just uh, uh, as everyone does, I'm sure on May 29th every year, rewatching the 2011 Memorial Cup final. I'm sure everyone does that. It's a very normal thing to do. Um, uh, I think it's actually pre-programmed. Uh, Apple pre-programs that in my iPhone. So yes, oh, I do remember yeah, I do figured should be a holiday. Um, yeah, and Eugene Melnick was at uh, a ceremonial puck drop. Really, very star-studded uh, ceremonial puck drop. Uh, they had the trophy out there too. Um, mm-hmm. So very, so uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and yeah. I actually didn't even. I actually kind of forgot that he was still the owner of the uh, Mississauga St. Michael's Majors at the time. Okay, that's true. I did not realize that. Yeah. Of course, we know him as a, an owner of a much different hockey team. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and you were saying like there's there's him and there was um, 
who uh, Hazel McCallion, the uh, former yep. mayor of Mississauga, who wanted to, wanted to have a cold opening involving Hazel McCallion, which would have brought tons of ratings. But yeah. you know, Connor Somerville and his you know will and his ability to quash artistic temperament, you know, that went out the window. So yeah. um, the Toronto you know, downtown, just Jim, a down, downtown guy. He's a downtown. Toronto's a downtown he's, guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing exists past like Yorkdale. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't get that third. Yeah. yeah, but. Um, uh, Jim Tree Living was also Jim there. Jim Tree Living, yes, yeah. exactly. Whose son uh, made a bit of news earlier today. Good for him. You know, he's he's among friends with the Toronto Maple Leafs, no, no doubt. Um, but of course, you mentioned Eugene Melnick, and uh, who's the RNHL team profile, the Ottawa Senators, a team that currently has no drafted players in the QMJHL. But uh, when you look at the list of players in the AHL and the NHL, and we're not going to go through them all. And I know Connor just is probably messaging me saying you damn well better not go through them all. Um, it's kind of amazing. They don't have a drafted player in this league right now, yeah. because for years and years and years, not only did they have one, they had several. And there's a couple of guys in the AHL that you look down that list, uh, Jamie, um, some of them have already seen their first NHL action. Probably a couple in there that, that may yet uh, have a long-term future there as well. Yeah, really. I know um, Belleville, I, I follow them quite closely, and they're pretty much up there with Laval, too. And they've got so much, uh, so much Q alumni in their lineup. Um, certainly a couple guys that I kept an eye on. Uh, Philippe Dao, who unfortunately uh, uh, missed most of this year with an injury, suffered really early on. Um, and then Cedric Pire, who is a... Uh, probably best known as uh, Alexi Lafreniere's uh, line mate in his draft year. Um, kind of turned into a pro hockey journeyman. He's he's spent some time at Belleville this year, uh, but certainly some some you know well known names. Igor Sokolov is certainly one of them. Uh, Anton Bebo, who I feel like played for half the teams in the queue, and it feels like he's played for half the teams in pro hockey too. Um, and Kevin Mandelize too, who's had a pretty good pro career. Absolutely. And, you know, the two that stick out to me there in that in the list, and uh, I believe there's uh, 11 guys on the current AHL roster going into this this coming season who played in the queue. And the two that stick out to me, of course, Mandelize, who made a very solid impression yeah. at times uh, for Ottawa during a couple of call-ups, and uh, Igor Sokolov, just a natural goal scorer, uh, scored 46, I believe, in Cape Breton his last year in the queue. And uh, has his first NHL uh, snipe under his belt as well. And uh, I got a feeling when it comes to Igor, you know, there, there's going to be more where that came from for sure. Um, and you talk about Antoine Bebo, you know, it, it, there's another name that, you know, I haven't thought about him in years, but you, you go through the list and it's like, wow, four teams in the queue. Um, his last game, ironically, in the queue uh, as a junior player coming at the Memorial Cup. In oh, really? 2014, with Val Gore mm -hmm. lost in triple overtime mm -hmm. to uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings on a goal by another former senator, Curtis Lazar. Mm -hmm. um, so there you go. That's tying the loop on things rather nicely. A couple guys in the ECHL and Allen. I will just quickly mention Mikel Robodeau and Stefan Fournier, still one of my favorite players, one of my favorite players to interview uh, when he was uh, in the league or, or just out of the league, and of course, a uh, Memorial Cup champion in his own right with those 2013 Halifax Mooseheads. Then you get to the NHL, and it's just, you know, you probably couldn't ask for a more even split, Jamie, of up-and-coming talent yeah. and veteran poise with the list that uh, 
they have in Ottawa and the 6Q alumni that are skating for them. Yeah, certainly uh, Claude Giroux and Derek Broussard, certainly NHL veterans now, and uh, uh, also had very good junior careers, in particular uh, Giroux. Uh, certainly a, a good story as a as an Ontario cast-off to come to the queue and, and carve in a really great career. Certainly probably arguably one of the best players in the NHL uh, during his the height of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, three, three former sea dogs as well. Um, you know, Matthew Joseph, it didn't have a great year, but, um, you know, certainly a nice guy and you hope the best for him. Uh, he can turn that around. Um, uh, Julian Goche kind of similar, um, has, didn't really ha- couldn't really find a, a roster spot consistently with the New York Rangers. Got to move to Ottawa. Um, hopefully he can kind of find a, a role and stay in the lineup there in Ottawa on a much younger team. Um, and then Thomas Shabbat, who will be entering the Sea Dogs Hall of Fame this, this summer. Um, thing that always stood out to me about Shabbat back in his junior days, I, I've never seen a player visibly get so much better every single game. And, you know, to follow him from his first game in the queue to his last, just the, the rise uh, that he, he went on. And he was a second-round pick in the queue, so, you know, not, not like, you know, he wasn't the first overall pick or anything like that. To see uh, the rise of Shabbat um, throughout his career was really, really something to watch. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes that becomes a little more pronounced with a defenseman like Shabbat yeah. is, of course. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of factors that, that went into that, I think, uh, Jamie. You know, from a very early age, uh, he when he came into the league, the Sea Dogs were, you know, at the – at the very beginning of a rebuild, basically back in 2013, he grew with the team, uh, but he also had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, basically from the moment he stepped on the ice uh, down in St. John. And he just seemed to, you know, there, there were some tough nights, no doubt. I was covering games in St. John for a lot of his career. And, you know, in the early stages, there were some tough nights, but, you know, um, the best way to learn sometimes is just learning from your mistakes and between the coaching that he had, you know, guys like Danny Flynn and, um, you know, even a guy like, uh, uh, Ross Yates, who uh, I don't think gets probably doesn't get quite as much credit as he deserves for uh, some of the table setting he did with that championship sea dogs team. Um, I think he took all of that coaching to heart and he took all those mistakes to heart and he, and he just transformed himself into really arguably the top defenseman in the league his last year there. And, uh, and he's parlayed that into a successful and very lucrative pro career. So great to see that. And of course, uh, Drake Batherson as well. One, another one of those young guns uh, that is uh, uh, playing a big factor in Ottawa as well. Now let's talk about some guys who could be playing a factor in the NHL in years to come. This is our 2023 draft prospect of the week. And uh, we're going to go back to Halifax, and I can't believe we haven't talked about this guy yet. And Jamie, I actually had to go through the uh, through the previews of all on my Spotify of our former episodes to make sure I'm not duplicating this guy. I don't think we have duplicated him. There is one really big reason for it. He was passed up in his first year of draft eligibility, but nonetheless, there's a very strong possibility that no that people are not going to pass up on Marcus Vitacek this year. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised to see that we haven't done him either because, you know, we certainly talked about him on this show. Um, and I'm kind of surprised he's not getting a little bit more draft buzz around him, even though he is a second-year guy. Um, 80 points this year and 68 regular season games. Um, can certainly see him pushing for 100 next year. 
Um, assume he kind of continues at this pace. Had a, had a really good playoff, and we mentioned the Moose has depth. Uh, you know, when guys like Dume and LaRue go down, and Vidicek was one of those guys that, that really stood up when he had to. Um, bit of a smaller player that's probably been plaguing him a little bit in the draft rankings, I would say, 5'10", 178. Um, but a really good season with the Mooseheads and probably going to have another good year next year, assuming he's back. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if he does get picked. And, and Will, I'll hand it over to you because I know you've probably watched him a lot more than I have over the past few years. Well, the first thing that stood out to me when it came to Marcus Vitacek, Jamie, really from the first time I saw him as a 16-year-old, um, and this goes hand-in-hand hand with a guy that we talk about a lot on this podcast, Jordan Dume, they both came in as 16-year-old senior. And Dume, immediately it was obvious that this is a guy who's probably bound for stardom. His vision, his ability to force turnovers, all the things that he's known for, you know, around the CHL now, especially around the Q, uh, where you can see bits and pieces of that, you know, even his first couple of weeks in the league and uh, injuries actually forced him to be on the first line for part of that first season. Well, another guy who got a little bit of first line time that year was Marcus Vitacek. And the first thing that stood out for me about him is something that could very well get him drafted. He's a guy who is not only lethal from in tight, he's got 32 goals, and I'm willing to bet that 25 to 30 of them were score, scored within 10 feet of the net. Um, good hands, but that's not saying that he's picking up garbage. He's just so good in tight. He can pick his spots. He can get the, he can lift the puck so well. Um, but it's the fact that for a young, for a smallish sort of guy, a, a lighter frame, he knows how to get into those spots. We talked about Jordan Dume being kind of a quiet player. Marcus Vitacek in his own right is another one of these quiet players who, you know, all of a sudden you, you don't really notice some posting up. And then the next thing you know, you know, it's pucks in the back of the net. And that's kind of been a calling card of Marcus's for the last three years. Um, invited to Arizona's camp last year. Um, so they have some more in-depth Intel and, uh, now, whether or not he gets drafted this year, and you know it's always tough with the second-year eligible guys, but um, regardless of what happens to him in the draft, like it's a ten out of ten bet that he's going to a pro camp this fall anyway. Yeah, for sure, whether he gets there through the draft or through free agency, yep. Yep. that remains to be seen. So that brings us almost to the end. But before we go. Um, there's been a lot take place, especially in my part of the country, and even Jamie, yours too. Jamie, you're back in uh, St. Stephen, New Brunswick, and uh, um, just down the road from you in St. Andrews, there, yep. there had been a, a wildfire scare. It seems like that might have been um, uh, contained uh, for the most part with uh, as little damage as we could hope for. Um, of course, me, I'm in Halifax, I'm in Cole Harbor. Uh, well out of the danger zone, but there is very much an extensive danger zone 15 miles from where I'm sitting right now over in the Tantalan region, uh, Hammond's Plains, uh, home of Brad Marchand. In fact, one of the streets that Brad lived on is one of the streets that is affected. Um, mm -hmm. So it's probably well known what's happened. Uh, a wildfire started in that area on Sunday. It's still burning. It's relatively under control, but it's, it's out of control, but it hasn't spread as uh, uh, to the extent that it did on, on Sunday. Um, 
we're hoping for rain here on Friday. Um, let, let's all hope that we get it because it's badly, badly needed. And um, I, I don't think there's anybody that I know of. Um, you, if you don't know somebody who has not lost a home over this, and I do know a couple people personally who, who have lost their homes. Um, if you don't know somebody personally, you know somebody who knows somebody. It's, it's that much widespread de devastation. And why do we bring this up? Not only to mention that, you know, we're thinking of all of these people. And uh, I know myself, you know, once the time becomes appropriate, because they're not really, there's not a lot of calls for help as of yet. They want to get the fires under control. Once they get under control, then the calls for, for help will be out there. And, you know, I can't wait to get started myself and doing whatever I can. And a lot of people are thinking the same way. But why we're tying this back right now, we want to talk about Cam McDonald. And his story is already gaining a little bit of traction. Of course, Cam was on that Sea Dogs team that we've already mentioned in uh, earlier in this uh, broadcast last summer. He won a Memorial Cup with the Sea Dogs. He's a Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick. And he grew up in Tantalon. And his house is burned to the ground. He's lost his Memorial Cup ring. He's safe. There have been no fatalities from this, which is absolutely miraculous. But um, uh, his he's you know his family has lost everything. They they've lost uh, virtually all their possessions. And uh, first of all, a shout out to Cam. Uh, our thoughts are with you, just like they're with everybody else. But. Uh, you know, I don't know if you um, I, if you read the article that Willie Pavlov did there, uh, Jamie. I'm sure you did. I think you sent it to me, actually. Um, you know, his perspective on this for, you know, I don't think, you know, when I was 20 years old, I wouldn't have had the perspective that Cam McDonald has. Yeah. 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 And, it's, you know, I saw he sent a couple of tweets out and his mom, Janice, did, uh, who's a longtime reader of Station Nation. So shout out to the whole McDonald family. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, obviously devastating news for them, but taking their perspective that they've lost their possessions, but their whole family's safe and their community, the people in their community are all safe. Um, so, you know, that's that at the end of the day, that's the most important part, right? You can't replace, uh, can't replace people. Um, but you certainly can rebuild your house, but obviously devastating news. Um, uh, thinking of all of them, thinking of, uh, Davis Cooper and his family as well, who are in Kamloops yeah. with the Remparts right now. They're also from Hammond's Plains. Um, so yeah, certainly just a, a terrible situation. Uh, can't even imagine how they're feeling right now. Um, and certainly a scare for all of us. I'm sure you've, you've felt it a little bit. Will. I mean, you must be getting a, a little nervous at some point, even though you're far away from it. And I, I'm about 20 minutes away from it, but I, you know, it's still yeah. uh, a scary thought. Oh, if it can happen there, I mean, yep. that's almost when, when you wake up in the morning and you, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. When you get home at the end of the day and you get out of your car to go in your house and you can smell it, like it's, it's a physical thing. And that's, you know, one of the things that just, you know, hits you Sunday night, the way the wind was blowing, the smoke was over our house. I say it's 15 miles away, but the smoke's still over your house. It's, it's literally hanging over the city. Yep. Um, and, you know, not to, not to mention as well, of course, people in southwestern Nova Scotia, which is actually the biggest part of them all in, in the region right now, down Shelburne Way, evacuation orders, new evacuation orders were just put out um, earlier tonight. So it is very much uh, an unprecedented thing. 
that you know the only thing that you can really you know it, it's easy maybe it's easy for us to say it's easy for me to say I'll say this that you know at least everybody's safe you know what I'm if you're in those people's shoes you know it goes deeper than that yes yeah. everybody's safe you're grateful but there's there's so much loss yeah and um, for sure all of those people any all the people affected. You know, we talked about Cam McDonald, you know, and, you know, the Cooper family is very much, you know, it's on their mind, of course, uh, as well. Um, we, we certainly send our thoughts out to, to everybody. And um, like I say, just, you know, wherever you are, just, you know, whatever God you're praying to, pray for rain because it's badly needed here. And uh, there's a lot of people that have been devastated and uh, we, we need to turn the tide. Uh, one way or the other mother nature has to come forth so uh on that note uh the next time we talk to you the memorial cup will be decided we'll know whether or not the quebec ramparts will claim their second one in modern franchise franchise history um we'll uh, have more information on all the news that takes place between now and a week from now, maybe get another rant or two out of Jamie. Maybe that a hopefully, well, hopefully the schedule is fixed by then. We can actually hopefully, review the hopefully, schedule. You know, yeah. Come on, people get like, let's get to it. Here. Like, <laughs> no excuse. No excuse. You want Tozer on you every week? Yeah. I wouldn't want that. No, nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. Fate worse than, than death. Really. <laughs> So for Jamie, the rant master Tozer, I'm Will McLaren saying uh, thank you again for watching THN on the queue brought to you by BetMGM and we'll see you in a week's time.